Well, hello, Avenue. Today, we are continuing in our series looking at Peter's great vision of the church in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Let me read that for us as we begin. But you, says Peter, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now in that short verse, situated at the heart of this letter of 1 Peter, Peter wants to encourage his readers. Peter wants to give his Christian readers, if you like, a great vision of the church. And more than that, Peter wants to encourage the embattled Christians he's writing to that thanks to Jesus, they have an amazing new identity and an amazing new purpose in this world. And the identity that Peter wants to unpack for us in the second part of verse 9 that we're looking at today is this. He says, you Christians are a royal priesthood. Put that another way. If you're a Christian watching this today, we are God's royal priests. We are God's royal priests. It's an amazing title, isn't it? And what does that new identity mean for everyone who trusts in Jesus? Well, two things we're going to see today. It means we can draw near to God and it means we can help others draw near to God. That is our new identity. That is our purpose on this planet, says Peter. And if we can just begin to grasp that new identity, that new purpose, then Peter's convinced it has the power to transform the way we see our lives and the way we live our lives on this planet. See, I want us to see that this identity and purpose given to us by God through Jesus to draw near to God and help others draw near to him, well, it's what we were each created for. Every single human being in this planet was created with a desire for closeness, for intimacy, for relationship with God and with each other. I mean, just think of a few examples of that. When a baby is crying, it needs to be held. Think about children. They want to be in a group of friends. They want a best friend. So face-to-face is always better than email or even Zoom. When you know someone, when they know you, when you truly love and accept each other, that is one of the most precious gifts in this world. And the flip side of that is loneliness is one of the toughest experiences in this world. We all desperately want to know we are not alone in this world. See, each one of us is created with a longing for relationship, for connection with others, for closeness with others. We might ask the question, well, where does all that come from? And the answer the Bible gives us is because each one of us was made in the image of God. And the God Christians worship is a God of relationship. A God of closeness, a God who draws near to us and who invites us to draw near to him in Christ. I don't know about you, but I think I've been struck by my 
desires for closeness and relationship with others even more in recent months when in many ways we've all been forced to keep our distance from each other due to COVID-19. Now full disclosure I've been really helped in my preparations for this sermon by a book that was published this year by a biblical counsellor called Edward Welch. The book is called Created to Draw Near Our Life as God's Royal Priests. And it's a book I'd really recommend to anyone. It's a great Bible overview and it really helps unpack what it means to be God's royal priests. Again, full disclosure, I've stolen a lot of my ideas um, from this book. And I ordered the book back in March, but by the time it arrived, we were already in lockdown as a country and as a church family. And I confess that when I opened the package with the book in it, I was really struck by the irony of its title created to draw near but I couldn't draw near to my friends and my church family I had to keep my distance out of love for them so the title of this book actually caused me quite a bit of sadness when I first had it but I believe that the apostle Peter tells us we are God's royal priests not to sadden us but to encourage us You see, Peter knows the Christians he's writing to here. Christians living in the first century in what is now modern day Turkey. And he knows that in the world's eyes, they look like weak and foolish people. I mean, just read over the letter for yourself. We learn that many of Peter's original readers were slaves, looked down on by others. They were wives married to non-Christian husbands who maybe mocked them for their faith. They were people accused of doing wrong by the people around them. So the Christians Peter's writing to, they didn't look impressive at all. They were looked down upon and rejected by the people around them. And yet, Peter gives these Christians one of the most magnificent titles you find anywhere in the whole of Scripture. You, he says, Christians, are a royal priesthood and because you're royal priests you can now draw near to the living God and you can help the people around you draw near to the living God. Now why does Peter describe his readers in such lofty language? Well it's because Peter knows that if they can only grasp their new identity and purpose well it's got the power to transform the way they live their lives in this world. We are God's royal priests, says Peter. He loves us. He invites us to draw near to him. And he has work for us to do in this world to enable other people to draw near to him too. So let's look at this description together now. Well, first of all, let's think about the description Peter uses. We are God's royal priests. See, what does that description tell us about the Christian life? And why is it good news for every Christian watching this today? Well, in the Bible, priests are near to God. They have the right of direct access to the living God. And that is an awesome privilege for any human being to have. See, when you read the beginning of the Bible, you discover something remarkable. Actually, we were all created to be priests who draw near to the living God. 
See, in the opening chapters of Genesis, Adam and Eve are created in the image of God and they're placed in a garden called Eden. And the Garden of Eden is described in similar ways to first the tabernacle and then later the temple in Jerusalem. It was a special place where the living God dwelt with his people. See, according to Genesis, each one of us was created to draw near to God, to live with God and to serve God out of love and thankfulness. But then a short time afterwards, Adam and Eve sinned. They had to leave that special place where God dwelt with his people. But even after the fall, God's desire to draw near to his people remained. And we see that right the way through the Bible. So in the Old Testament, Enoch and Noah walked with God. Abraham is described as a friend of God. Moses speaks with God face to face. And then after God had stepped down to rescue his people of ancient Israel from slavery in Egypt and brought them to Mount Sinai, he declares over them in Exodus chapter 19 verse 6, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. See, one of God's great purposes in saving a people for himself was so that all of his people could draw near to him and all of his people could help others draw near to him. We are God's royal priests. Now, as the history of ancient Israel progressed, the priesthood was temporarily limited to men from the tribe of Levi. But from both Eden and Exodus 19, we discover something. God always intended for all of his people to be his priests in this world. And so fast forward more than a thousand years after Moses and we have the coming of Jesus Christ, God's great high priest. And through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, anyone who puts their trust in Jesus is declared holy in God's sight. We are washed clean from our sin. And now, not only can we draw near to God with confidence, we can also be used by God to help others draw near to him. That is the privilege of being a priest. And of all the writers in the New Testament, it's the Apostle Peter in this letter of 1 Peter that does the most with this description of Christians as God's priests. So earlier in chapter 2 and verse 5, Peter describes his readers as a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. And then in verse 9 of the same chapter, our verse today, he declares that all his Christian readers are a royal priesthood. See, according to Peter here, in Christ, we are all royal priests. Royal because we are children of the king of the universe. We get to call the king father. We are set apart by him. And priests, because now we have direct access to God through Christ. We can draw near to him and we can help other people draw near to him in this world. See, make no mistake, living as a royal priest of God, it's an amazing identity God gives us and it's an amazing purpose God gives to everyone who trusts in Jesus. So what does it mean for us to be royal priests? Well, two things. We can draw near to God 
and we can help others draw near to God. So first of all, being a royal priest means we can draw near to God. See, by addressing his Christian readers as priests, Peter wants to remind them of a precious truth. We are now welcomed by the God of grace. He has brought us near to himself. And how does he do that? He has done that through sending Jesus into the world. Because our great high priest, Jesus, has died and suffered in our place. Peter spells this out for us uh, a bit later in the letter in chapter 3 and verse 18. He writes this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. See, the reason we can now draw near to God is because Jesus has brought us to the Father. See, Jesus was the righteous one. We were the unrighteous ones. But because Jesus suffered in our place, our sins have now been paid for. We are now holy in God's sight. We are now priests before God. And I want us to see there is so much of the gospel in this title of priests. As a priest, you now have direct access to God. As a priest, you have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. As a priest, you now belong to God. You're now as close to God as it is possible to be. As the rest of the New Testament puts it, you are now in Christ and Christ is now in you by his spirit. Again, we began this time together by thinking about that human longing we all have for relationship, for intimacy, for closeness. Someone wants to find intimacy as this. They said, intimacy is knowing I am not alone in the universe. It's knowing I am not alone in the universe. What Peter wants to see here, if we trust in Jesus, we are priests and we are never alone in the universe. We can draw near to God. We have direct access to God as our Father. We are never alone. He is near to us and we are near to him. So Peter tells us, don't hold back. Don't keep your distance from God. Don't let your suffering make you imagine he's not interested in you. Instead, draw near to the God of grace. Why? Because you need him. You will always need his grace and his mercy, but also because he wants you to draw near to him. He invites you to draw near to him. He has qualified you as his priest to draw near to him, to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. I hope we can see there's so much we could go into about this privilege of drawing near to God as his priests. But I want us to see as well today that this picture of God's goodness and grace to us in calling us his priests, it gets even better. Because not only can we draw near to God, we can also help others draw near to God too. See, if you go back to the Old Testament and read about the priests there, a priest in the Old Testament didn't just sit around enjoying his closeness with God. No, he was there to help others draw near to God too. 
And Peter wants to see here, it is the same for Christians today. In fact, the second half of this letter of 1 Peter, from chapter 2 and verse 11, really focuses on the great purpose God has given everyone who trusts in Jesus to help others draw near to God through our lives and through our witness. Now, again, if you know anything about priests in the Old Testament, you might be thinking to yourself, well, aren't we missing out something? See, in the Old Testament, a priest is someone who offers up sacrifices to God. A priest is someone who makes sacrifices. Now, before the coming of Jesus, the sacrifices were animals. So lambs, goats, doves. Now, with the coming of Jesus, animal sacrifices are no longer necessary. It is Jesus' blood that washes us clean. It's Jesus' body that was broken for us. But think back to chapter 2 and verse 5 of 1 Peter we thought about a minute ago. There Peter describes Christians as a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we need to ask the question, well, what does Peter mean by that? What sort of sacrifices are we meant to offer to God as his priests today? Well, here's how Ed Welch puts it in the book I mentioned earlier. He writes this. He says, love has become the sacrifice that we bring to the Lord. Love is the sacrifice we make to God. Love for God, but for our emphasis today, love for other people. So as God's royal priests, how do we help others draw near to God in this world? Well, Peter tells us in this letter, We love them. We love them because God first loved us. And what does it mean for us to love the people around us? Well, again, Peter will make that clear as the letter goes on. It means we serve the people around us. It means we're willing to suffer for them. And it means we speak to them about Jesus whenever we have the opportunity. I want to say it's important to point out that that applies to how we help other Christians draw near to God and it applies to how we help people who aren't Christians draw near to God. So first of all, how can we help non-Christians draw near to God as God's priests? Well, Peter tells us in the second half of the letter, we love them just as God first loved us. Glance ahead to 1 Peter 2 verse 12. There Peter tells us, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. See, in Peter's day, the Roman Empire of the first century, plenty of people looked down on Christians and rejected them. See, Peter's readers would have been used to to being accused of doing wrong, of being seen as weird or immoral or ridiculous for what they believed about Jesus. And how does Peter urge his readers to respond to that treatment? Does he tell them to write to their MP? Does he tell them to sign an online petition? Does he tell them to expose their opponents for just their ridiculous reasoning for the things they believe? Well, no. Peter urges his readers to love 
their enemies. Echoing the words of Jesus that Peter would have heard himself, Peter tells his readers, live good lives among the pagans. Live good lives among the people who mock you, who reject you. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do good to your enemies. Why? Because through doing so, you may draw some of them near to God. Because by doing good to your enemies, you expose their prejudices against Christians for being just that. Prejudice without any basis, in fact. And then alongside seeking to love and serve your enemies, Peter urges us, be prepared to speak to them about Jesus. That's 1 Peter 3 verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, contrary to how you might naturally think of them, love, gentleness and respect are powerful weapons for the Christian. They're a powerful witness to unbelieving people that what we believe about Jesus is actually true. They're evidence that Jesus is really changing us into people of love and grace. And that is deeply attractive to people living in our world today. I think of the experience of a Russian friend of mine. He was raised in a secular home and towards the end of the time of the Soviet Union. And he served in the Russian army for a number of years. When I met him, he was quite an intimidating individual. And in his early 20s, he told me that he found out about a small evangelical church in his hometown in Russia. And he decided to go along with the sole purpose of making fun of the Christians there. So he took great delight in waving around at the end of the service and telling anyone who would listen to him, you guys are idiots. There is no such thing as God. You're all wasting your time. And he told me that no one could really respond to the arguments he would throw at them. None of the Christians in that church were particularly well educated. But what those Christians did do was they loved and welcomed him week after week. They treated him with respect and grace, even when he was deliberately rude and offensive to them. And they kept welcoming him back and letting him attend their meetings. And after a number of months, something began to change in my friend's heart. Over time, he began more and more to think that what he was hearing about Jesus from the front was actually true. Over time, he began to believe that Jesus was real. And after a while, my friend started to trust in Jesus for himself. So that years later when I met him, he had been a Christian for many years and he was studying in a Bible college over here, being equipped to go back to Russia and serve in a church there. See, he told me those simple, unimpressive believers that they couldn't respond to my friend's intellectual arguments. But what they did do was they loved him. Week after week, he called them idiots and worse for believing in Jesus. But they responded by treating him with gentleness and respect. And as a result, they helped him draw near to God and put his faith in Jesus. 
Now, when I hear that story, I always think loving my friend then was definitely costly. It was sacrificial. It cost those Christians a great deal. I don't doubt that many of the Christians in that church probably prayed, Lord, please don't get that guy keep coming here. Please don't send him again. Life is so much easier without this difficult person. But when he came week after week, they offered up a sacrifice of love to the Lord. And the Lord used that sacrifice to save my friend. You see, we are God's royal priests and we can help others draw near to God by offering up sacrifices of love. We do that by loving them, by serving them, by speaking to them about Jesus whenever we have the opportunity. That is our priestly purpose on this planet. And I want us to see as well that this royal priestly purpose isn't just about our evangelism. It's also about our calling as priests to love and serve other Christians in our church families as our act of worship to the God who first loved us. You see, again and again in this letter, Peter urges his readers to love one another. Chapter 1, verse 22, he says, love one another deeply from the heart. Chapter 3, verse 8, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Or chapter 4, verse 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. See, why does Peter urge his readers to love one another? Because Peter knows something. The life of a Christian can be hard in this world. And we need the love and support of other Christians if we're going to keep going. If we're going to be reminded to keep drawing near to God in our lives day by day by day. And what does loving other Christians look like? Well, it looks very similar to loving non-Christians, actually. Loving other Christians means serving them in practical ways as we have the opportunity. It means praying for them, that they would keep drawing near to God and it means speaking to them about who Jesus is and all he's done for us whenever we have the opportunity. See Peter tells us here we are God's royal priests and it always amazes me that in his wisdom God so often chooses to demonstrate his love for us through the love of his people. If we want to know God's love for us we often experience that through the love of other Christians, through the love of other royal priests. I make no mistake, that is a high calling. It is a daunting calling to be those who express God's love in this world. But it's a calling God promises to equip us for as we draw near to him and ask him to help us. So as we finish, what are some of the ways we can help others draw near to God in our church family? Well, just some examples. If you belong to a home group, well, commit to gathering together with your home group on Zoom. Commit to listening together to God's word and praying that God's word would change us and enable us to draw near to God. Remember, you are a royal priest and part of the purpose of you being on this planet is to help those people in your home group draw nearer to God. 
If you're married, if you're a husband or a wife, well, then love one another, listen to one another, pray for one another. Remember, you are a royal priest. And part of your purpose on this planet is to draw your spouse nearer to God. Married life isn't just about you and getting your needs met. It's about you helping your spouse. And as you help your spouse draw near to God, you discover your own walk with him is closer and more intimate. If you're a parent watching this, love your children, pray for them, listen to them as much as you can enter their world. Remember, you are a royal priest and part of the purpose you're on this world is to help your children draw near to God. So speak to them about Jesus, read the Bible with them, even when that's hard, even when it's discouraging, because you want your children to draw near to God. And just think about your friendships with other Christians. Remember, you are a royal priest. So phone one another, message one another, meet together for walks with one another. Ask each other how you can be praying for each other and then pray for each other before you forget. Remember, you are a royal priest. Part of your purpose on this planet is to help your friends draw close to God. And also remember, your Christian friend, well, they're a royal priest too. And part of their purpose on this planet is to help you draw near to God. We need one another. We are priests, a royal priesthood corporately. And we each have a part to play in loving one another, in serving one another, in speaking God's word to one another, that we all can draw nearer to the God who first drew near to us. So the Apostle Peter, he's got an amazing calling to make to every Christian watching this today. You, says Peter, are a royal priest and that changes everything. It's an amazing identity for everyone who trusts in Jesus and it's an amazing purpose why we are on this planet, to draw near to God and to help others draw near to God. We are God's royal priests. We can draw near to God. We have direct access to him. What does that mean? It means you're never alone in this world. God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And we are God's royal priests put here to help others draw near to God. And that means we've got a glorious purpose in life. God wants to use us to help other people draw near to him. And as we do that, he wants to draw near to us as well. So church family of Avenue, be encouraged. We are God's royal priests. We draw near to God and we help others draw near to God. And this is our spiritual act of worship. Praise God for loving us so much to entrust that purpose to us. Mm -hmm.